Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Did you read Dan's illustration of uh, the wife confronting her foolish husband at the party, making those dirty jokes? Yes. Wasn't that fantastic? Whoa, man. Oh, for the courage to love like that. You know what, though? What he said about sinners was awfully good in terms of covering their sin. Yeah. You know? And you don't confront unless you're called, you know, unless there's a context. It's anyway. Yeah. Friends, welcome to the Ransom Tart Podcast. You can hear us excited about this series. And we've been doing a series on relationship, loving how we relate, and it's really all been based on the premise, if you haven't been tracking with us through this, the the heart, the idea behind this is the truest reflection of your character or your spiritual life, the, the truest expression of your walk with God is not mm-hmm. actually um, phenomenal displays of spiritual gifting, whether it's uh, anointed teaching or um, prophetic words, um, the power to bring physical healing. And the scripture says that um, while those things are great and from God, um, the heart of the matter is the quality of the relationship that we offer and the motives behind it. And so um, we want to push into a couple of um, types of people that are hard to love um, today How do you love an evil person, someone who is clearly evil? And then um, next time, how do you love a fool? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we'll wrap it up with that. But I think um, before we jump in today, we just need to say our thoughts have been hugely influenced by the book Bold Love by Dan Allender. Dan's a personal friend of ours, a friend of Ransomed Hearts. Uh, He's a psychologist and founded a uh, seminary and school uh, of psychology up in uh, Seattle, the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. And he has a center there called the Allender Center. Um, Anyway, bold love, um, turn there for any questions we've raised, (laughs) for any shortcomings. um, We're going to be able to hit on a few things. But towards the end of his book, Bold Love, Dan has these three chapters on loving an evil person, loving a fool, and then just loving a just kind of a normal sinner. And because there's a difference there. It, love does not look the same. Um, one of the key passages that we've used in this series is Philippians uh, chapter 1 where he says, I want your love to abound more and more with knowledge and depth of insight. And Craig, one of the comments that you made earlier in the series is um, we just kind of just sloppy mm-hmm. in the way that we relate. Mm-hmm. So as we come into today, loving an evil person, what's on your mind? Well, the, the first thing, John, is that if you needed an example of how the Christian life is a supernatural life, it would be in this category of, um, of loving your enemies, truly blessing those who curse you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're, we're given clear instructions about evil, resisting it, fighting it, you know, uh, separating ourselves from it. Mm-hmm. And yet we're told in some way to relate in some way that could be called loving. And it's just one more evidence of the, the life we all long to live is something we can't mimic or counterfeit. I mean, it just inevitably is a work of God. Yeah. I mean, how do you love that person you're thinking of who genuinely fits the description of evil? Yes. Yeah. And, and let's clarify that because we're going to talk about loving a fool and someone who's narcissistic, someone who's self-centered, someone who is – habitually angry, someone who refuses to face reality, someone who's living an utterly self-absorbed life. That's very different than this mm-hmm. category of loving an evil person. So what what do you mean by this kind of person? Well, again, borrowing heavily from Dan, I think, uh, I think an evil person distinguished from any other kind of person is someone who delights in the destruction of of another, um, someone who, mm. whose delight over someone's destruction and life being ruined trumps their conscience, common morality, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, it trumps mm. all of those things, and it expresses itself in some cruel actions. And where I'm a little unclear right now, John, is, is – that is possible for us as humans, but then enter the enemy, yeah. spiritual evil, right. on top of that and empowering that. That's my best stab at evil. Yeah, that's good, Craig. I would add someone who is doing repeated harm, mm-hmm. um, someone who is doing repeated harm, and they are furious or vengeful when confronted. The person who's just really given themselves over to the operation of destruction. And this might be verbal. Mm -hmm. It might be physical. um, It might be sexual. It might be sabotaging family systems, sabotaging churches, you know, corporations, uh, ministry efforts, communities. But this is a person who has really given themselves over to sabotage and destruction. And there's there's forethought to it there, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's the kind of person that we're talking about, gang, as opposed to a fool next time who maybe is just more marked by, you know, self-centeredness, narcissism, um, certainly, yes, anger, and their lifestyle is destructive, but not at this level. This is a destroyer. Right. And you made an important distinction, John, repeated, because I think uh, I think we're all capable of doing evil, mm. but there's something about Someone who we would classify as an evil person where you're talking about something to the core over time has established itself beyond conscience yes. or care. Yes. And may we add beyond doubt mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> from outside observation. I mean this is the sexual abuser who's continued on through years in a family system or you know, this is a – this is an angry parent who has systematically destroyed the self-worth of their children and, and then their spouses of those children and then their grandchildren. There's a systematic um, destructiveness here. It's a lifestyle. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, Craig, on how do you love someone like this? Well, I just have to pause again and say that he would ask us to seems beyond reason. I mean yeah. – um, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We just went through these uh, the Boston Marathon bombers. 
Somebody places a bomb in front of a small child and a mother for it to explode. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. love to show any kind of kindness just seems off the charts to me. Okay, okay. Well, this helps us clarify then. You understand, gang, that love does not mean being nice. Mm -hmm. Maybe better than any other, this category helps us expose our faulty views of love. Mm -hmm. Right. You snakes, Mm -hmm. you sons of hell, you make people twice as fit for hell as you are. I mean, those are Jesus's words to the technically religious, and those were loving words. So clearly we're not. Love does not mean you feel affectionate towards someone. Right. This may help people more than any other podcast we've done so far of just realizing, oh, my gosh, right. Like there's no way I can love that person. Well, if you mean by love, feeling warmly toward them, Mm -hmm. feeling affectionate, which is how we tend to, you know, or the softer views of just being kind to Mm -hmm. them, right? Sons of hell, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Jesus loves well. Yeah. uh, And and Jesus brings with him quite a bit of power to his loving. So. Let me read something actually from Bold Love. Dan has laid out a, a conversation between a, a mature daughter, a grown daughter, and her father, who is an incredibly abusive man verbally. And it's a phone conversation, but I think it will help you understand, gang, the specifics of what we're trying to get to here. Um, Dad, hi, honey. I'm calling to see when you will be arriving. Jane chuckling out loud. Well, Dad, I can at least say it won't be in this calendar year. What? You know your mom is counting on you, helping with the big 4th of July party. She won't be able to do it without your help. Oh, that's um, that's too bad, Dad. You know, a lot of catering firms do holiday spreads. I bet there are some in your area. Don't get cute with me. You know your mother wants you here, not a catering firm. Now let's get serious. You will be coming home. Dad, do you recall the conversation a few nights ago when you yelled and called me some terrible names? Well, I told you then I would no longer allow you to sin against me or yourself by enduring your use of rage and shame. Before you get too much more intense, let me make it clear again. I will not stay on the phone if that is your manner of relating to me. Dad, are you willing to think with me about the way you deal with me and, frankly, almost everyone else in our family? Well, fine. I'll tell your mother about your decision. And let me tell you, I have no interest in being lectured by a kid who has no more sense than, Dad, I'll look forward to the day you do desire to interact. So I'll be talking with you soon. Bye, Dad. Here's a, you know, a daughter who has um, lived under an abusive father, rage, anger. You know, we're not just talking about dumb-dumb. You know, we're talking about violent words, abusive language. And and in this phone conversation, she decides to draw a line and say, I will not let you treat me like that anymore. Not in bitterness. Right. Not in unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. but, But how do you love an evil person? Uh, for one thing, you confront them. Mm-hmm. There is um, cunning that needs to be involved, and you hear her cunning in the story, but she's saying, I, I'm, not, 
bowing to you. I'm not coming home. I'm not living under your abuse anymore. Now, I'm offering you the opportunity to look at the way you treat me, but um, setting clear boundaries. Yes. Absolutely essential for loving an evil person. Yeah. John, where um, some of my thinking goes is some use the illustration of sin as sins of commission, willful choices um, that we have committed, or sins of omission, things we just haven't done. We have omitted to to be kind or love or, or to offer a common grace to someone. And it almost feels like love is that way, that sometimes it's it's choices that result that are behaviors and sometimes it's just it's just holding back what would be expected or common or natural. I think the biggest thing, my takeaway on how to love someone who's evil is to defiantly not to succumb to evil having any influence or sway or control over me. Mm. So that like mm. with Jane, mm. calm, mm-hmm. in control, yep. looking at evil in the eye, but right. not letting evil create this not succumbing to the control, the power, the influence of evil itself. Yeah, yeah. And gang, you, I mean, again, we're back to Jesus within us because that means no indulgence in the bitterness, mm-hmm. no indulgence in the rage, no indulgence because that just allows the evil then to get its cook in you, Yeah. right? The, I mean, the power of loving is that it denies the enemy, you know, the hold that he's looking for in you through the evil. So it has a very disarming effect. And at the same time, there's this refusal to live under it. Like, I will not allow this. So the loving is, is at this core, John, you've used the, the I think it was the illustration, was it Victor Frankl in um, the Nazi camp? If I got my guys right, where um, they could have him eat his own excrement, they could have him do all kinds of things. But what he clung to was the dignity that they could not choose for him whether or not to love. He always had that choice. Astounding, isn't it? And it's like, that's it. It's a defiant recognition and clinging to evil may have sway over my life circumstances through an evil king, through um, sickness or disease or rebellious children or who knows what the circumstances are. But I will not, I will not let it overcome the core of my being and what what is essential to me being an image bearer. Yes. Loving and choosing God. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that Dan talks about is, um, gang, you know, in loving an evil person, there's no reconciliation without repentance and Mm -hmm. change. You know, the evil person tends to be a very cunning person. And like the father in this story, you know, he's, he's, well, certainly you're coming home to help your mother. You know, the evil is veiled under, you know, family um, honor and tradition and respecting your elders or perhaps in a, in a church system, respecting your pastor. You know, it's veiled under this. But until there is clear repentance – on the part of the evil person, they don't get relationship with you. Mm-hmm. I think this is so crucial, again, for Christians to understand that to love doesn't mean to make yourself equally accessible to all people, mm-hmm. equally available to all people. You know, in the case of an evil person, 
um, they may say, well, I'm, I'm sorry for what I said last night, you know, or, or in cases of abuse, you know, there might be tears, you know, they can be deeply um, psychotic people. And so, you know, there's profound remorse and regret. And I feel so terrible that I got drunk last night and, you know, and, and I hit you again. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, but while there may be forgiveness for the sin and the repeated sins, there's no reconciliation until there is demonstrated repentance and change. And I would say change over time. Yeah. You know, so the the woman that, uh, let's say, is living with an abusive husband, and it might be words and it might be physical, her choice to move out is an opportunity for him to repent. You know, and he begs her to return. But the fact is, she's not going to return until, you know, A, he is committed to seeing a counselor, and B, over six months, the counselor is able to report significant progress, you know. And um, so just there's forgiveness and there's reconciliation. Those are two different things, mm-hmm. right? There's um, loving an evil person and then there's offering openly your heart, your mm-hmm. relationship to them. Heavens no, yes. by no means. And so, you know, Dan says one of the one of the great gifts you can give to the evil person is actually excommunication, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That in the case of repeated harm that is conscious and willful, one of the greatest gifts that you can give them is um, banishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul asked for that in a couple of his letters in the Gospels. There are certain people, Paul says, do not have fellowship with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Period. Now, pray for them. Pray for their repentance. Pray that God would be merciful to them. But by no means do you allow them back into your life until there is demonstrated repentance and change. Yeah. And when we're talking about an evil person, I think we need to be aware, John, that um, an evil person actually becoming repentant is a rare and a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, when you're up against evil, there needs to be just a clarity of boundaries and a separation or an excommunication, whatever stage you're at. You're going to live with some radical and very hard choices to uh, separate yourself for their good, that they would feel the pain and the loss and hopefully come to repentance. But boy, when we're talking about evil on the level we are in relationships and with people, the Christian needs to be ready um, to take some hard lines, not out of out of care, concern, out of uh, well, maybe that's not the right word. I'm stumbling here, but um, you better be prepared for drawing some hard lines in the yeah. sand, yeah. and that's the loving thing to do. Well, and this is why it's all of those other reasons that cause people not to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fear. It's you know, it's loss. It's if I distance myself from my evil mother who, you know, physically abused me as a child and is now continuing the rage and the shaming through words and um, if I do that, I'm going to lose Christmas with the family. I'm going to lose Thanksgivings. You know, there's a larger loss and so they won't do this because of the fear yes. or the loss or the consequences. But, I mean, look at Christ. Look at the character with which he lives. He he don't let the evil person get away with it. Right. I mean, they are on a very fast road to hell yeah. and to pretend to accommodate, 
to keep forgiving when there's no sign of genuine repentance and change, yes. that's not love. Yeah. And it's not it's not good for those in your family system. I mean, you need to pull, whether it's your kids, you know, away from an angry grandfather or an abusive uncle or, you know, the excommunication, the separation there is is for everyone's sake. Yeah. yeah. And needless to say that if you're someone who is involved with someone anywhere near this level of evil, um, boy, you need the eyes of others, yeah. the support of others. Yeah. And the guidance of, of God to navigate these waters because because we either overreact, calling someone evil who's just a normal guy who's had a – reacted poorly to an event or yeah. we underreact and minimize the fact that actually we're in a relationship or we're involved with someone who will destroy us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we want to say doing repeated and mm-hmm. conscious harm. Mm-hmm. It's repeated and conscious harm. You know – Everyone has their slip-ups, and sometimes our slip-ups can be pretty horrible and can do damage. So this is not an excuse to excommunicate someone that you just find it difficult to love and be around, you know, because once in a while they lose their temper. I would say that's more of a fool. I want to mm-hmm. talk about what it's like to love them next time. But, um, you know, this is conscious, repeated damage, destruction, intentional um, through word, through action. And as Craig said, you're going to want people in this story immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, counselor, pastor, um, other family members, hopefully who themselves are walking with Christ, but even if they're not, may need to be made aware of the situation. Yeah, don't walk this particular path alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, it just feels like I know there's people probably um, struggling with uh, what do I do in this particular relationship. And it just feels like, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Come for every listener. Come for each of us in our desire to know you and for you to, to fill us and be over us, for your kingdom to rule and reign, our hearts, our lives, our relationships, all our reactions and responses to circumstances and people in our life. We long to live from a larger story and to be captured by you in a way that we respond as you do, as you did, as you would. Lord, we pray you give us insight. Give our heart insight. Give us wisdom. Pray that we could know and see and understand what you're doing in the relationships that are difficult, Mm. painful, or evil that you would guide us and speak and lead us Mm. and that you would come over these areas of evil and pain and you would bring strength, you would bring healing, protection, you would write boundaries down for us to follow, to to walk in, you'd make our paths straight and you would guide us, Jesus. We pray for this in Christ's name. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord, and help us to evaluate relationships with you clearly. Yeah not to ascribe uh, motives or evil to those who are not, but to be very sober in our assessment of damaging people in our lives and and ask you to guide us in our evaluation and then in where to go next. And for those who are in this kind of relationship, I pray that you would bring them a pastor, a counselor, a priest who, who really is qualified 
to help them walk through this because that's what they need next. Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Friends, you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell. And again, our thoughts on loving an evil person drawn from Dan Allender and Tremper Longman's book, Bold Love.